talking about today honey oh you say you want to talk about the uh weird spending behavior in america yeah which i not really understand what do you mean you don't understand i don't understand how american can like just keep spending yeah like exceed their income oh they spend well beyond their income yeah that part i don't really understand because yeah. that's really different than most of the Chinese people that I know of, yeah, like in China or even people who in here. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I think before I used to be a little bit trapped in spending this this spending cycle. Mm-hmm. I think it's a uh, it's very lifestyle driven. It's very class driven. It's basically like pretty straightforward. I mean, there's really nothing that mysterious about it. It's like I earned this much money. Mm-hmm. I now deserve this kind of lifestyle. And then you go look at the lifestyle, which is totally reasonable. I want a house in the suburbs. I want a car. I want to send my kids to a good school district. You know, really nothing outlandish, right? Like, is that's pretty that's pretty reasonable. But then you look at what it costs, and it's, uh, it's priced in a way that always seems to be a little bit out of reach. For some reason, like, what we want always seems to be a little bit out of reach, from what we earn. We're always wanting a lifestyle that's a little bit beyond what we can easily afford. What do you think that would happen that like creating this problem because you guy I have seen a lot of people spending beyond their means like yeah. you know, income and I mean it's a very common thing. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm working in my office I have seen People who like have really low income, but they will spend hundred dollar on cable bills. I'm like, eh, I don't know. I mean, that's not so horrible, is it? I mean, the cable thing doesn't really. Well, if your income is eight hundred dollar and your cable bill is like two hundred, that's not yeah, good. That's true. Yeah. I see they're all they're expensive and they mm-hmm. are income. Yeah. I'm like, how 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 did that even happen? That's not even their lifestyle. Yeah. I don't even pay that much. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, people people are really they really like their television, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> to the um, point like they willing to pay one quarter of the It's it's also I think part I think the big problem look, I mean, wanting to buy nice things is like obvious, right? Yeah, I, I like nice things. But uh, I think the problem is that um uh they had the they really had the wind in their sails. For a long time, because everything kept going up in price. Mm-hmm. So when things go up in price, generally it's better to buy things now rather than later. I can understand if you're talking about you know purchasing real estate, but I don't understand why would you wanna. No, I mean even even um, even like I like non-investment items like a car or like a new appliance or whatever. If those are going up in price then it's better to buy it now than later. But then, yeah, they, the other big thing, obviously, is the housing price, right? So if the housing prices are going up, um, it pretty much gives you – it's a wealth effect because you now have an asset on your 
balance sheet that is constantly going up in value, which you can tell because you're constantly getting letters in the mail from oh, realtors the, saying like, hey, we just sold your neighbor's house for this much. Or so, oh, your property tax, they tell you. Or they so. tell you, yeah. And so let's say you bought a house for $350,000 and now it's worth $650,000. You're going to feel richer. Even if you don't have any cash in the bank, like you're going to feel like you're sitting on a $650,000 house. It's going to make you feel a lot more secure than if if it weren't appreciated, yeah, but even though it makes no difference. Yeah, but same <laughs> in thing, fact, it's worse for you because you have to pay higher taxes. But yeah, yeah but same thing also happened like in Shanghai. Mm-hmm. A lot of the like old houses, but right now it's in the center area. Mm-hmm. It's also go up in value. Mm-hmm. But all those people who live inside, they know that it just go up in value. Doesn't mean they about in increase until they sell it. Yeah. So I still don't get like how come there's such big gap between the ways of thinking. Uh I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know what accounts for Chinese saving habits, other than just cultural uh, tendencies. Maybe we just don't have that cultural tendency. I, I think we just have to see the money in hand in order to feel that is the real, you know, money uh-huh. that we're holding on. Otherwise, everything else. Otherwise, that play is just a play for you to live. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know because I'm not comfortable with. Um, I have to say, like, in my life, when I was in a period where I I sometimes would spend more than I was taking in, right? Yeah, so I, 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 I would, you know, I, I would be, <laughs> I would be paying, um, I would be paying out of savings to cover my, to cover my expenses. And um, it feels terrible going backwards. I mean, I hated the feeling, but it kept happening. And uh, I have to say, I think a big part of it is it's hard to coordinate with uh, a spouse on saving, uh, on spending. It's really hard to rein in spending if the if you're not on the same page with your spouse. It's really so. Difficult. You mean your spouse could be a problem? Yeah, I I, I found with my friends that um, if you're a single guy, it's mm-hmm. super easy to save. But do you save a lot when you were single? Yeah, when I'm single, I don't spend much money, right? It's it it really becomes a problem when you're when you're with someone, particularly when you're married, mm-hmm. and um, you start working on a dual budget, like a or like a communal budget, right? You're now you're one unit, but it's two people, and it's hard. It unless you're really good at communicating and you guys have similar attitudes about spending, it's really hard to get on board. Um, but to be, I'll be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of my friends' wives are the ones who push a lot of the spending. That's my. That, well, but they also have kids. They have kids, but it's also um, you know like insisting on vacations, insisting on jewelry, insisting on luxury cars, um, insisting on just a general high maintenance lifestyle that. Um, I, I I don't see the wisdom of it. I'm always I'm always advocating that they save money. Is it possible that if they don't spend that money, mm-hmm. their kid is gonna be, you know, have no friend in school or something? It's part. Yeah, I mean, I've said this to in other pods with um, with Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, that I can make. I can. I think it's really easy for me to say, "Hey, hey, save money." Like, who cares what people think about your status? But it would be harder if if you had kids because 
I don't want people to think, you know, I wouldn't want people to think my kids were the poor kids or whatever. I can see that being harder to, uh, to, to, to control. You, you want, you, you don't want, uh, <clears throat> people to think badly of your kids, you know? <clears throat> so. But, but do, when you was a kid, does, um, do you think that your parents have this similar problem? No, they, well, I had a problem in the sense that my parents, not a problem. I didn't really care, but my, my, my parents always bought lousy cars and, um, you know, we're not general, like we took really, really, you know, very inexpensive vacations. We didn't go to, I never went to Europe, uh, until I was older and went by myself. Yeah. You, I, I think you went to Paris like seven times. Yeah. But that's after like, you know, that's like after college and stuff. I, I traveled on my own money. Uh-huh. Um, but like, uh, yeah, like when I was a kid growing up, like all our vacations were like, we would drive to Canada or something. That's what we, we, we didn't fly anywhere. So, so what you think that make the, you know, the difference between back then and now? Now, I think parents are, there's just fewer parents who would willingly, like, I think my parents almost intentionally made, made us feel poorer than we were because they actually are financially pretty well off, right? Like they, 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 they've always had enough money to cover, to live a higher lifestyle than they do, mm-hmm. but they just never did it. And, uh, and I think part of it was intentional. Okay. Do you think that your parent may get some pressure from their own circle? Like to circle spend more? From- yeah. Yeah. Some people were really flashy. They just didn't care. Okay. So it's mostly about the attitude that you have. Yeah. Yeah, like my friends would, they would go on fancier vacations, or their 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 parents would buy luxury cars, whereas we, you know, had a had lousy cars and we didn't go on any of those such vacations. And I, I just got used to it. I didn't really care. Do you think that your friend will be like treat you differently no. if you don't? I don't think so. I think- they didn't really care. <laughs> they never looked down on me for that, as far as I know. Because like maybe well, they did. Well, I'm not that I know of. But you know, like my high school friend, mm. like they. Like one of my friends went to uh, Ivy League, mm-hmm. and two of my friends went to CUNY, and I went to SUNY, yeah. and we all have like different income, mm. like all in the different rent. But when we get together, I never feel the pressure, you know. Neither did I. I mean, I went to Maryland, and a lot of my friends went to fancier out-of-state schools, and any any sort of pressure, I think, what it, uh, uh, if there were any, I think it was me. On myself it wasn't like other people i mean maybe some people thought this or that no one said anything to me i'm not sure anyone treated me differently and if they did i didn't really notice i didn't really care okay so meaning that it the pressure not come from your real friends it comes from yourself it comes from yourself that's what i think i think a lot of it is just personal insecurity and feeling like you need others to think of you a certain way and i think it's i think it's a big fallacy it's a big mistake because in reality i don't think people think just think about you very much at all i don't think people waste their time thinking about me and whether how they compare to me uh and if they did it doesn't matter anyway but i i think a lot of people are more the people who end up spending Mm -hmm. um, for lifestyles that they really shouldn't be doing i think they really should be thinking more about the how they're about retirement or 
like or or emergencies well, like is it like do they feel like it's just too much to think of for retirement maybe because not know. all the people can make it too i don't know i mean i think they have like a certain amount just kind of like being float flowed into their retirement accounts, so they just kind of put retirement they don't even think about it. It's on autopilot. They just max out their 401k or whatever. Mm-hmm. Max out their IRA. And so they've got retirement kind of just, that's just be, being deducted out of their paycheck. Mm-hmm. And then whatever else comes in, you know, they're just like a portion goes to the mortgage, a portion goes to the car payments, a portion goes to the school payments, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And then the remaining go to travel. And then oh, the like remaining, the- either either the credit card bill eats the rest of it or it doesn't, right? Like the big X factor is the credit card bill. And they, I think people like they just kind of wait till the end of the month. They're not re- they're just charging that thing without really thinking about it. And then when the statement comes, it's kind of like a mystery. Like, ooh, I bet you it's big. And it's you open just like a blind box. Yeah, it's a blind box because they're not actively uh, budgeting. So they don't – I mean I don't really actively budget either. I don't think we do, but – but because we actually like live in a pretty, yeah, I mean, we just we just relatively don't cheap play, and we can, you and, know, and we're just frugal generally. I mean, I I I just don't feel safe if I don't see enough money in yeah. my account. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the only thing. Yeah, I, I I that's why I can't understand why people can like spend like like you know income equivalent to the expensive. Yeah. Or exceeds them. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what it is. Um, but I, I, I think I, I think that people have a hard time saving. That's a very They're just spending too much money, period. I know. Because, like, look, I know how much money they're making, more or less, right? Within, within uh, a certain degree of certainty. I know how much I make. Mm-hmm. I know what it's like to budget with that, how much you could save, whatever. And, uh... I imagine trying to, and I have an idea of how much it would cost. Like I've seen their credit card bills and stuff Mm -hmm. and it's eating. I mean, it must be eating the discretionary spending Mm -hmm. I've seen must be eating at least half or more of their take home income. Do you think that they actually pretty happy in like spending that much? Do that, that like meaning like that the, um, whatever they spend that, that buy them happiness. No, I think, I think that, the credit card bill bums them out every month. I know I've been there. The credit card bill comes and you're always like, man, I got it. It's kind of like, um, when you're overweight mm-hmm. and you're always kind of a little bit bummed out that you're fat, mm-hmm. you know, you're just always like, man, I'll lose that weight. And then you kind of don't do it. You know what I mean? You're, it's just like this chronic oh, it's unhappiness. Like- you're just kind of like, man, I'm like fat. And then, but I'm not doing anything about it. You know, like you're not. So you're kind of like pretty like negative. Yeah, it sucks. And you're like lazy and because you feel like you can't do it. That's why you're yeah. pretty yeah. like lay back and yeah. just like ignore. I think, yeah. I think it leads to a low grade. It's very frustrating. Oh, it seems like you guys are trying to avoid the reality. You're just trying to trim the fat. You're just you're 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 just hoping that your credit card bill this month is it. But then I don't know what it is, but it's just like short term. It's hard to change your behavior once you're used to a certain level of convenience and luxury. Uh-huh. I think a lot of it's convenience, but you're just like it's you know you, you just don't quite believe that restaurants could add up to that much. 
Oh my God, it retro. Just, yeah, it just doesn't strike you that your restaurant, that just, just restaurants alone is costing you literally like thousands of dollars. Of like, course, if you, just, you constantly know, eating outside. Constantly, yeah, with a family of four. Dining in like Manhattan or something, yeah. or even in Crete. So it's so, I mean, honestly, it's so easy when you, it's this vague feeling of like, okay, I'm making mid six figures, right? I'm I'm doing really well. I can afford a $260 dinner. I know big deal. You know, Once like, in a while. No, yeah. like twice a week, three times a week. What? Yeah. You know, and then little things come up, like little, just little Poor things come kid, up. All they the don't time. have money for their like school and stuff. Yeah. Do you think that it might be, have something to do with like Americans are not good at math? That's why they're not sensitive to numbers? Americans are not good at, maybe that's it, though. I don't know. I think my friends are pretty good at math. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're not bad. You're yeah, I don't think me. that's it. I think it's, I just think it's like a chronic overspending problem. You, it's just, it's hard to put, it's a behavioral tick that it's really hard to get rid of because it spending is a huge part of your lifestyle. You know, it's like swiping that card to... Uh, have dinner or whatever is just part of the lifestyle. You just get used to it and you just do it. And then it's not like you can't pay it, right? It's not like, it's not like my friends aren't paying the bill. They're paying the bill. They're not going underwater with this stuff. It's just, they could be spending, I mean, they could be saving so much more money. They're not. That's all. But, and I just think it's silly. But, but don't you think saving is very important? It's incredibly important. Yeah, but American, they barely have any saving. Americans, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's cultural. It's not, I don't think it's, uh, I really don't think that most people are that rational when it comes to their decision on their spending. So do you think like... It doesn't make sense. Do, do you think like Chinese are very rational in terms of like saving? Because I, I know the Chinese, Relatively speaking. Chinese people like to save because they feel insecure. Yeah. Therefore, there's a lot of motivation to save. Also, I think that uh, I think the other thing is, I just I just don't think that they're thinking of they're thinking about money in very strange ways. Not Chinese, but like Americans. Mm -hmm. I think Americans think of money. Uh, I don't know what they think of money. I don't I don't think they even really quite understand that money's real. Huh. They just think of it as like numbers, like they're not. Yeah, but number is still number. Yeah, but they're. But the thing is, they're not. They're because I think in the U.S., like money is almost. We say stuff like, "Oh, money can be traded for goods and services." Okay, that's what we think of money. Money can be traded for goods and services. What that we okay. understand that right? It's a common sense, right? And so, if that's all money is, then what do you do with it? You trade it for goods and services. Right, so your money—they're basically—they're like money can be spent. That's why it's money, and so you okay, spend it. Okay, but don't you need to think about your future? Right. Well, that—that's the thing, is that what money I think actually is is time. Right. Mm -hmm. Money is time. I mean, we get paid on a time basis. Yes. And so money is actually units of time. You're trading literal seg section large parts of your life away from money. Mm -hmm. So you're sacrificing time from money. Mm -hmm. And when you get that money, it's like 
you you can you can kind of bank it so that you can buy your time back later. Okay. Right. Whereas I think if you don't think of it in terms of time, um, because we don't we don't quite work on a wage basis, right? We're like mostly salaried. So we're not down to like dollars per hour. Right? Okay. I mean that Yeah, we don't I don't we just don't quite have the money and time equivalents down. And so I think we're we think less about time and we're not thinking about money as a way to buy our time back. We're just thinking about money as a way to buy think goods and services. We don't think of it as buying time. So we're throwing we're comfortable throwing money away because we're like, oh well, okay, but it's okay because I'm getting something in return for my purchasing, right? Sure, I'm short on cash, but I got all these things. I bought all this stuff. I got all these experiences. Like it's a fair trade, money in, money out, but right? Some people feel depressed if they like not having money. It's probably offset by the joy of spending it. You know, I think is kind of what's going on. I don't know. I feel very fearful if I spend a lot more than. I yeah, I, I I do too. I I never liked that feeling. I it always bothered me when I got these credit card bills that were just setting me back, and I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm never going to get ahead like this. I remember when I know how much I need to get for my mortgage, mm-hmm. I actually kind of freak out. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, well, at least that's an investment. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I I, I just feel why would. A culture. Oh, I I guess because it have to do with the capitalism, that your culture always encourage or even twist the idea of money. Yeah, and I I do think that rise the, the um the the fact that everything was going up in price, like the your house and stuff, it really gave people this feeling like really the primary way of building wealth is not saving cash. It's buying homes. It's buying housing. It's But then you know, at the same time, it's like, uh, I don't think all the people have like home in America. I know the ownership not. Low. Well, I, yeah, that's true. But I and mean, also most of it's people, pretty high. They, but also most people, they only have one. Yeah. They need to live in it. It's not like they can sell it and then exchange for money. Unless you're really smart. You I mean, know? I can only speak for people I know and they're mostly homeowners. So, you know. Well, my friend, um, you know. Yeah. Homeowner too. Yeah. And they most most of them they actually buy in like you know all cash. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, though, I mean, if if you're buying, your largest asset keeps going up in price. You're gonna feel. It's easy to think. Like I think I think people are all like these really crappy. Uh, accountants in their head mm-hmm. like but they are doing like this weird accounting mm-hmm. and they're looking at their credit card bill and their spending and they're like "Ooh, that's a hit mm-hmm. but then i think they immediately write it off by saying oh i have a well house. okay i'm paying i've 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 set it off because well i did put i did contribute to my ira or my 401k and my house is going up in price so all in all you know probably not a big deal and then you keep, and then it's just the. Um, but then your 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 debt is just keep growing bigger and bigger and bigger because. Well, no, because they're they're paying it off. They're, I mean, as far as I know, like they're not keeping balances. They're just. They're, okay, but then you're saving nothing. Right, but they're but they're saying, well, I'm offsetting it because I am saving to my IRA, 
and okay. I am saving. You know, I did that too. I am right. I am. I am putting away principal into the house. The interest is deductible. There, there's there's enough stuff that you can rely on to say it's your advantage to write off your spending. Sometimes I wonder if the deductible thing actually, it's a tra- uh, like a trap. It is a trap, but I think I think this accounting is bullshit. I think it's a lot of just like ra- rationalizing in your head to be like. You know, they're not doing the hard math, I think, or people aren't doing the hard math. I think they're just sitting there thinking, yeah, you know, I mean, this is how most people talk about it. They're like, yeah, that's true. I'm spending a lot, but it's like, you know, I am paying down the principal. My house is going up in value. I'm sa- I'm putting away in the IRA. All in all, I think it's it's okay. I'm trying to get the spending down, but this month was this, that, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, it's kind of like, and I got to say, I'm happy I spent it. I'm happy we went on that vacation. It was a really good time. I'll never forget it. Okay. You know, so all I in mean, all, it comes down to I mean I they, like spending. I like this lifestyle. Okay. Yes, I I could save more, but no, I'm not going to. At least I'm not, not going to regret this last month because I had a good time and everyone's happy right now. So I'm not going to just go ahead and fuck that up by by insisting that, you know, we put a we could be we cut back on spending and then what are we going to do? Just sit at home and what cut the number of channels that we can watch and, you know, not go on vacation. And like, what's the point? Like, what is the point of cutting the spending if we're just going to live, you know, and it's like the future when you have inflating asset prices for on, on housing and stuff, you know, you just, you just kind of feel like you're riding the conveyor belt of home appreciation into the future anyway. So what does it matter? Well, what happened if the econo- uh, economy just go down? Yeah, they're not thinking about that. They don't believe that. Okay, but mm-hmm. but it may happen. They're 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 thinking is like okay, it may, but I, I don't care. I mean, it's like if it happens, it happens. What can I do? But I'm not going to pretend like I care. Like it's like they don't need to prepare for it. No. Some a lot of people going to get. Scared. I mean, some do, but I I know a lot of people who don't care at all. Huh. They real. I mean, they're very high risk. Without, they don't quite know that they're high risk, but they are high risk because they're not really preparing for that. And the other thing is, like, when housing is so expensive, it makes money seem insignificant. Because if you're dealing, people, I live, I have friend, you know, I have friends that are living in three million dollar houses. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you live in a three million million dollar house, despite the fact that there's a load, there's a massive fucking mortgage on it, mm-hmm. or whatever. Okay, but the thing is that you've levered into a three million dollar asset. You, you own it. It's mm-hmm. yours. It's three million. It's worth three million dollars. It is yours. There's a there's a mortgage on it. Okay, but fine. It's yours. But but, but it you, makes it makes something like uh you know a couple hundred thousand dollars not seem like a big deal. You you suddenly feel like you're a millionaire. But but you also need to pay a lot in order to get that three. Yeah, million I know. Dollars. It's a fucking. It's if a whole, you do the if you do the calculation, you probably need to pay double for it. Yeah, I mean, I mean depend how, on the. Um, you know, the mortgage rate. Yeah, I mean, like, owning a house is a, is a business. That's what I learned. Mm-hmm. Owning ownership of real estate, even if you live in it, mm-hmm. it's a business. Okay. It is, it's a, it's running, well, I mean, maintaining a-, a house is just like maintaining commercial property. Because okay? there's an opportunity cost to it, right? You, you can, you can buy it, worship, you rent it. Yeah, there's operating expenses. Right. So. Right. There's expense. There's just there's taxes. There's insurance. There's maintenance. There's all this shit. Mm-hmm. And and you have to budget for that. And uh, 
and and you have to and there's a mortgage on it. There's a lot of like expenses associated with owning a house. Mm-hmm. And your hope is that the appreciation outweighs all the expenses. And for a long time, it has. And so everyone just I think that the magic that the magic uh, formula for all this spending is housing. That's my feeling. Housing with the if you own a house, you really feel like there's a wind constantly blowing in your back that's pushing you forward, despite you know you spending a lot or whatever. The home appreciation is this belief that it's going to push you forward. I guess one of the reasons, because to most people, which to me it's kind of true, the most expensive stuff that you own actually is the how it's not the yeah. saving. And plus, the higher the the more expensive your home, the bigger the the these the bigger the potential for appreciation when you sell. So you know people can expect that a one point five million dollar house can appreciate quickly to two point two million, right? Which has happened over well, it, it course happened of a few, over, that's you know? seven hundred thousand dollars swing in equity, right? That can be realized. So there were you know it is possible to see these huge. Um, appreciations and realize on them, but, but not most. Most people don't. Most people just hold on to the house. They don't really sell. Because, for a game. But but the fact is, like, mm-hmm. if you sell your house at a game, mm-hmm. but you only have one house, yeah. but you actually, in order to you know, you know, realize a game, you actually need to move somewhere else. Yeah, and then the, it, you in just in put it into another house. Yeah, right. You have to downsize. Yeah, so no one's willing to do that. I That's mean, why I think ho- housing appreciation at the end of the day isn't the magic wealth creator that we thought it was because you, you, it, you always get tied down with, um, a house. I mean, it does help you ladder up to nicer and nicer houses, but I don't think it's quite the wealth generator that people think it is. That's my, so opinion. meaning the realistic, uh, value increase actually gives people some sort of illusion. False. Illusion. Yeah. Because now I heard that because the, the goal would be you ladder up, you go from, uh, you go up the housing chain mm-hmm. and then when you're retired, you have a really expensive house and then you sell it for cash and downsize and the, the difference you can live off of. But see, that's broken now. Mm-hmm. Right. So a lot of uh, older boomers that are trying to sell out, cash out of their house and retire, they can't do it. And, 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 and not only that, but they're finding actually that the houses that they want to downsize to mm-hmm. are actually too expensive for them anyway. So that the that whole I'm gonna ride the escalator up and then and then uh, cruise on the way down I think is kind of I was just reading something about it yesterday mm-hmm. that 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 plan doesn't work that well right now. First of all, they can't sell their house and so right now. Yeah, and th- there's nothing. There's very little inventory for them to buy mm-hmm. as a downsize option. Well, right now yeah. you said the real estate market to some it's, area it's like is pretty much like frozen. Yeah, it's frozen. Like mortgages are down like something like 85, 90%. So, well, of course, because the interest rate right now is so high. Yeah. I think the 30 years average is uh, almost seven. Eight. No, it's almost eight okay. at this point. Yeah. It's shockingly high. Yeah. So, real estate, I, that's the thing. I think real estate long term uh... is it's probably go. I mean, I think the era of quick appreciation is like over. You're, you're not going to get. There's no way you're going to get houses that, you know, double in value in a few short years or whatever the hell people were expecting. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen anymore. I mean, it did happen in the past. It did happen, but we know how that happened, right? 
It's uh, a very fake bubble. Yeah. I mean, there were ex- there were shocks that led people to buy, you know, scramble into certain mar- specific markets and bid the price up. Plus, mm-hmm. uh, you know, plus a lot of, uh, you know, cheap, cheap mortgages. Well, it's, pretty, I like- it's pretty simple. It's, not, it's really not that complicated. Yeah, Everyone but, comes armed with a huge mortgage. Everyone that goes to put in an offer has a huge mortgage. Well, my friend have a lot. Yeah. And cash. I mean, people do come in with cash, too. So oh, yeah, my come friend. Come in with loads of cash and, and loads of debt. I and think like, yeah. the person who wins... Uh, there's no, a bidding... The person who wins is overpaying, for sure. In a bidding war. I mean, it's always the person who's most reckless with their bid that wins. Uh-huh. And so it's just a bunch of reckless bidders winning houses. They're just and just, the housing just goes through the roof. Um because there's just so much money available. Mm-hmm. And so you but the just, most reckless person wins. But just because the money available doesn't mean that you don't need to pay it back. Well, to them there's it's it's a win it's you can't lose because it because paying a mortgage back when your house price is increasing is trivial. Right, because it's like, of course, I can pay it back. The collateral underlying the loan has gone up in value, right? So, um, it, of course, I can pay a uh, the eight hundred thousand dollar mortgage back when my house, my home equity keeps going up. Yeah, but how much longer can it keep going up? They pretty much indefinitely was the belief. But then you're they didn't. People do not. But still, to this day, people don't believe that real estate could go down. They honestly but, don't believe but it. But it actually went down. Yeah, they, are. they don't believe it. They, or, or if they do, they say it's a, it's a temporary thing. It's a glitch. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a glitch, but you don't know how long the glitch going to last. They, the people are thinking literally maybe a few months. Few, like another few, few months. Few, not time when it go down. When you know why I, people are buying houses? Oh. Because they're saying, okay, go ahead and write the mortgage down today for that much money. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you could just refi in a couple years when the rates drop. I think that is... I, I I see that from my yeah coworkers. It's, that's a that, that is such a bad risk to take. I wouldn't assume that rates are going to drop in two years, which I don't see. And even if, if they did, if rates did drop, it's going to be because of a recession. In which case, there's another reason why your uh, house will go down in value because there's a recession. Hmm. Right. So if the rates do drop, it's going to be because there's a recession. And that means that there's even more pressure on your house. So this, if your house goes down in value, you're not going to be able to refinance it because your LTV ratios are all fucked up. So it's a trap. I think people who are getting, taking mortgages now, thinking that they're going to refi, they're trapped. Ah, maybe that's what my friend... Wait, I think my friend got it at three point something. Okay, that's fine. But she got arm. Okay, that's not good. Yeah. I just don't know how, how many years. Yeah, arms are not good. But, but you said if you can sell within certain amount of years, then you may actually end up with a profit with arm. If the I, housing price keeps going up. Yeah, if housing prices goes up. Yeah, of course. But I don't think it's going to. I know, but that, that's the problem. Because like my friend bought a house in Bay Areas, yeah. near Bay Areas. I'm like, she bought it when... Just simply five, six years ago, it's like half of the price. Yeah, she but bought she into a bubble. it. And that yeah. is like the high point that I have seen. I'm like, that's crazy. But I can kind of get it because she pay a lot in rent. Mm. 
So right now, I think she was looking at how much you pay in rent mm. and how much you have for down pay from her in-law and um, how much she paying right now for mortgage. And she realized that actually, if she's willing to pay that down payment, then everything just adds up pretty much the same. Yeah, I but mean, she got a way bigger, like you know, double the space, and something that's like you know, put under her name. I think that's what she was thinking, and that's why she's willing to, you know, pay more for the house. Yeah, I think I think a lot of them are just gonna get screwed. So you mean like nothing poorly, you know, uh, the their, housing. Their housing is gonna be underwater. Like oh, yeah. the mortgage is going to be more than the house is worth at some point. Because the medium price right now in her area is like already go went down. Went down, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be underwater. So, you know, I think a lot of people are going to get screwed by this. Well, did they? And 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 you're talking about households that were really relying on home appreciation, so I think they were were spending I you know, it's it's an unrealized gain, right? Mm-hmm. There's a difference between a realized gain and an unrealized gain. An unrealized gain is just simply the value of an asset that you own theoretically went up in price. Theoretically. I Meaning you have no idea what you would get for it on the market, but you have a rough idea. And so you 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 have an unrealized gain, right? Meaning, sure, a fair accounting of your of your balance sheet, mm-hmm. your personal balance sheet probably should reflect the uh, appreciation of your house, right? But you didn't realize on it, so it's just theoretical. Meaning, like, the unrealized game is still pending. You don't know which way you're going to go. Yeah, you just know at this particular moment in time, it's theoretically worth this much. Theoretically. Right? You never know if your particular house is going to sell for that price, but you have a pretty strong indication that it would. Right? So... So you have an indicator that your house is worth it's it houses are not pure commodities, but they're they're pretty close. So like, you know, if you live in a neighborhood and a very similar house sold for, you know, a million bucks, you know, you're safe to say yours is probably worth about the same. Maybe there's a little bit of difference or whatever, but fundamentally you're around the one million dollar mark. And so you're going to feel like the additional equity that you gained off depreciation, it's going to feel like additional income. Right. If you bought um, a six hundred fifty thousand dollar house, which is appreciated to one million, you're gonna feel like you have earned three hundred fifty thousand dollars. What 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 make you guys think like that? You have an asset that's worth a million bucks now. Yeah, but what make you guys think like that? Is it some sort of like TV show? Is it something that you? No, that's just how it works. So if you have, let's say, I have a bunch of stocks, and those stocks triple in value or double in value, whatever the hell those things were doing. I mean, I get my statement, my 401k statement or my brokerage statement. It's going to tell me my, the value of my holdings. And it's, it's going to tell me, like, your stocks doubled in value. And if you wanted to capitalize on it because stocks are super liquid, I could capitalize on it right now, right? So if the housing feels the same way, even though it's a little different because stocks are very liquid financial assets, I could sell them at any point instantly for cash. Whereas the house, it's very complicated because it's like, I've got to find another place to live. You know, it's it it, it it takes time to sell. It's not easy to sell. But even for stock, it can just drop within a day. And then- yes, that's right. Yep. But probably not likely that that would happen. Though it has happened. But, I mean, you know, 
Um, yeah, I mean, stocks are risky. So if all your net worth, if all your worth is your your wealth is in stocks, you know, you're exposed to uh, equity price risk. Well, and the same thing like the housing price. It's not great on, you know, yeah, in stone. Yeah, it's not real. Like, so it's just, I think a lot of this, this what they call like mark-to-market accounting gives you a very false sense of the value of or the wealth that you're you're sitting on you know what i mean like so people own a house and because the house is theoretically going up in value Mm -hmm. they're in their mind adding the uh appreciation in a general way they're not being very rigorous about it but they're taking the fact that their house is going up in value as kind of a um as kind of like it's income like virtual income Right. So they're feeling richer because their house is getting more expensive and they're seeing like, oh, yeah, this house is now worth this much. This but but house- do you agree with this kind of? No, it's a stupid just idea. Just where did the people got that from? That idea? Uh-huh. They got it from the fact that they're, they're, they're getting indications in the mail from realtors saying what their house is worth. So they just. I mean, if I show you a bank state or your brokerage statement that says that your stocks doubled in price, you're going to feel richer. And you are, in a way, you're, you are richer. Yeah, in right. a way. But yeah. it's not in your pocket yet. You could easily you could easily put it in your pocket, right? So with the house, I think it tricks you into thinking like this is, this, the gain on the, on the value of your home is easy to tap. And in fact, it kind of is if you want to take more debt out of the house. Like they will credit you the additional value as collateral value, so you can take more debt in the form of a HELOC if you want. You even want to take more debt. Yeah. Oh my god. But the value of your home equity is usually the largest asset uh, in a in a household's balance sheet, and so if that asset is going up, and as People point out it's like the one asset that you can leverage, meaning I can borrow money to buy this asset. Most assets I can't do that. I can't very hard. It's very bad, poorly advised that I go borrow money to buy stocks. No, of course not, because yeah. you don't know, you know, whether it go up or down. Yeah, it's so so. It's highly discouraged to borrow. You can do it, but it's highly discouraged to borrow money to buy stocks, right? I- but everyone borrows money to buy houses. So it's called a le- leveraged asset. So be- the leverage that you can get um, is, is, is dependent in many in, – in, it's dependent on how much mortgage you can afford. See, I and don't- so when mortgage rates are really low, the leverage is really high. And so you're in- you can multiply your income by a lot. Meaning, like, the amount of house that you can afford in dollar terms is really high because mortgage rates are low, meaning you could get very high leverage rates. So I can walk in with $100,000 and I can easily buy a $1.2 million house. And your your income levels, your income requirements are low compared to what you would imagine it would take to buy something that expensive. But the policies are all there for you. Low rates Mm -hmm. means... Low, lower income well, requirements yeah. mm-hmm. and lower down payments. Yeah, but but you know, like my friend who like would bought a house mm-hmm. all in cash, they never need to worry about or even thinking about you know leveraging 
anything because they have enough saving. You know, that's mm-hmm. how they even to have like mm-hmm. all cash to begin with. I mean, not all of them are rich, but you know, they they buy within their means. Yeah. So I lavish thing is like except for mortgage. I mean, I got it, but I get the feeling people should be doing mortgages closer to like fifty percent. Meaning, like you should put a fifty percent down payment and do wow, like fifty percent. Wow, that's really hard. Well, uh, yeah, but you know, I think that that might be a more normal thing than people you, putting ten percent down. But if you pay uh, paying like fifty percent. That's a lot. Well, the housing prices are going to have to come down. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, it would be more normal to me for people to only leverage about 50%. So it's like, uh, for a $500,000 house, I put 250000 down and borrow two fifty. Well, that's all. And I think that's a, that's a decent... But that means the housing price needs to drop a yeah, lot in I order to... I think it to... should drop to levels where people are paying, like, closer to 50% down for their house. How much would that be? I mean, people are, like, literally, we had almost 0%, like, no money down or, like, 5% down. You know, it's crazy. Because, you know why? Because they they really, no matter what, like, they, they, they banks make money off of the interest. So the lower the rate, the harder it is to make money off a mortgage, right? Because the interest rates are low. Mm-hmm. So they want bigger mortgages. So they're, right? So... They're encouraged to write larger volumes because the rates are low. So they, you know, they need bulk. And but then if something hit and nobody can pay for it, yeah, I know. Isn't the bank gonna end up with tons of like yeah. houses just sitting right there? Yeah, that's why there's a structural problem in housing. This is why we always have a housing crisis because because we're so interested in making money off the financing. the The whole industry is geared towards that. The banks have huge mortgage you know, pipelines. And that's a huge engine of the banking sector. And so they're always constantly uh, encouraged to write more and more mortgage products. They want to do more debt. They make money off debt creation. So the banks um, would love for more people to, in, in fact, now they're still doing, they're, the banks are scrambling to try and encourage people to borrow at these rates. They don't give a shit. They just want to write mortgages. I feel like that might be one of the reasons why the depression in America is quite high. I think that people are getting scammed. Of course they're getting scammed! Yeah. You know. But as long as you had the conveyor belt of home appreciation, you're bringing new buyers to the table. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's how this thing works. How does housing appreciate all the time? Mm-hmm. You have new money coming into the system. Oh, is especially it why, at the bottom. Is it why there's a lot of the, like foreign investor and stuff? Yeah, you would need to get foreign investors in. You need to get first-time home buyers. So the government has a lot of first-time home buyer uh, incentives. Yeah, Which be- why? I got it. Because without first-time home buyers, the entire thing shuts down. You need buyers coming in from the bottom, pushing the whole thing up. Hmm. That's how it works. You got to get buyers in from the bottom, and so it pushes everyone up. So basically, the government encourage everybody just like become a homeowner. Yeah. So ever all the policies are written, the tax policies, all those things. I still feel like the tax thing is the trap because even though they 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 you know they 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 send you the money back. Oh, it's not just tax deduction. There's there's all sorts of other parts of the real estate of the tax code that favor this. Like what? Uh, like there's special tax rules around the securitization of mortgages. They're called I, REMIC rules. But but still. 
Uh, real estate investment trusts are tax free. So if you create uh, an investment fund that that invests just in real estate, there's no tax, right? So there's no entity tax on REITs. Oh, I think I missed that part. You know the real estate investment trust REITs. Yeah, REITs are tax free. So real estate has a special pass when it comes to tax. No wonder why the bubble is so big. I mean, look it up. REIT rules, REMIC rules. Uh, income tax deduction; those are all major, major tax incentive programs to grease the rails for uh, mortgage uh, mortgage debt creation. So the the government's heavily encouraging these uh, uh, real estate speculation. I now remember before Trump, I actually got like some tax refund yeah. because of my real estate um, tax. The property tax. Most people are pretty fucking stupid, you know. If they, if they're if they know their house is going up in value, they're just gonna spend as if that money were real. It's, still, it's just what happens. I still don't get like where the idea come from. I, I think it's pretty obvious. If I'm sitting in a house, I paid three hundred. You know, I, but like I said it's I a, paid I paid half the amount. Up, I only put a little bit down anyway. I, like I only had to save a hundred thousand dollars. And it took me years to do it. And I put that into a house. And the house is worth a million bucks. You know, I leave it at 10x. Okay. You know, right off the bat, just the mere fact that I own a million dollar house is going to make me feel wealthier. Even though it's completely debt to me, right? It's written down as debt. Okay. But then again, I looked at the monthly statement. It is within my budget. And boom, I get a million dollar asset sitting on my balance sheet. You feel wealthy. Because we're not really good accountants. It kind of feel like a drug. Yeah, it is. Um, it 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 I'm gives sure. you unrealistic expectations of your current financial situation. Uh, it I'm gives people unrealistic expectations of how wealthy they actually are. I'm sure some people make money out of it. I mean, that's how Donald Trump becomes so rich, right? Yeah, well, he was a real estate developer, so. Okay. Well, I mean, similar. Yeah. I mean, real estate developers are realizing that you know they're 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 selling it for cash, right? They're they're actually, you know, they're doing they're taking short term debt to actually build real estate and then flipping it into the market. So they're making they're making money just off creating real estate. They're at it. They're playing a totally different game. But still, real estate game. The real estate game, yeah, but they're. They went ahead of us. They're way ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Okay, so now we get to the conclusion that actually the real estate is the one that drive people. I think it's the primary engine. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I think real estate's the primary engine, and now we're seeing a reversal in in the dynamics of the real estate game, which uh -huh. is like there's a lot of downward pressure now. Rates are too high. There's no, there's very few buyers. Mm -hmm. There's going to be more sellers coming online when the recession. Starts taking, you know, a lot of people like they can't generate income off their investment properties anymore, so they can be forced to sell. Oh yeah, didn't you say people they start losing their job? Yeah, didn't you say the uh, government to tried to like destroy the Airbnb stuff first? Yeah, yeah. So I think that the government. I mean, my going theory is that they actually want a recession mm -hmm. because they feel the real. The reality is that they think that productivity is down, and and basically, like people are not disciplined. And they don't want to work anymore. Simply meaning that if you're not like rich and powerful, they want you to work for them. 
they know the look, they know they they being like the Federal Reserve and the banks and all the people who are like have a heavy influence on the planning of the economy. Mm-hmm. They know that you cannot have a healthy national economy where people are just doing uh, real Airbnb. estate, real estate speculation. Uh-huh. It's not that's not a real economy. Real estate speculation is um, um, it's a pyramid scheme. So, so you mean like so, they want you to do the real? Yeah, they, they they're not dumb. I mean, they kind of they know that we need to get into a more higher productive economy. We can't just have people buying homes all the time. You need actually to make stuff. You need we need to but, re. But they, we, they know they we need to re reinvigorate the manufacturing sector. We don't we, we can't even make enough weapons to send to Ukraine. Mask. We can't make enough masks. We can't make enough anything. So we can't make enough chips. We can't make enough this. We can't make enough that. We're dependent on imports, right? And I think suddenly the the people in charge kind of realize this. It's a problem. It's a real problem. And so, they're like, wait, our economy is not – we're not self-sufficient. We're relying on China. And they got the message. They're not stupid. That's the thing. They're not dumb. They so, know so, what's going on. So are you saying that they try to bring the manufacturing – Back. Of course, they're trying to bring manufacturing back, and they know that manu- the, one of the big problems with bringing manufacturing back is not the willingness of companies to relocate here. It's not even about the salaries; mm-hmm. they're willing to pay more for workers here. Mm-hmm. You just give tax incentives or what? You can make it work. The problem is there's nobody. There's nobody to hire. They can't find workers. They they, they literally can't find people to hire qualified workers, and so they realize like. Too many Americans have grown decadent and they're just, you know, sitting back and relying. They're doing real estate speculation. Right. Um, And they're financing everything. So they're living lavish lifestyles off of credit, cheap credit at really low interest rates. Right. With using housing as a primary form of collateral. And you expect those people can make cheap. If their housing equity goes under, if they have negative equity in their house, meaning that they owe more money on the house than it's worth. Right, mm-hmm. those people are fucked, mm-hmm. and they're gonna have to go back to work. Yeah, but what kind of job can they get? It would be the government. The government, is, the government any is any job opportunity for those people. Yeah, they're well, maybe, maybe not. But I, I think the point is that they want to create what they call a general, a higher sense of worker insecurity, which is the term that the Fed uses for it. And they've said that worker insecurity is one way to keep inflation low while having relatively high rates of employment. So their goal is to make everyone move to more precarious forms of – their goal is to just be like, look, it's going to be a little bit harder for you to get a job. Jo- yeah, and you need – plus the big thing is they want you to enter the workforce. They, they don't want people sitting back and just saying, you know what? I don't want to work and I'm just going to retire – I'm going to retire on my, on my property values. The government is trying to take that away. They, they've realized at this point that real estate – appreciation has gone way too far Mm -hmm. and it's starting to create negative incentives for uh, workers in terms of contributing to overall productivity. It's hurting the national economy and they want to put an end to it. Okay. Okay. So I think going forward, we should not count on real estate as a primary generator of wealth. Like we, it's going to, it's going to be hard to change that mindset. Meaning like, and they're going to crush it. They've already said, we are, look, this is, we're not going back to low interest rates. Your ha- just know that your house is not going to go up in value. 
Well, anymore. I, yeah, I think every time the government do a big change, mm-hmm. they're gonna sacrifice some people. Yeah, and so they they're trying to get rid of the housing, uh, the the house, the house appreciation conveyor belt where people were just like kind of coasting, mm-hmm. and then because now it's just like there's just like there's not enough people that are desperate for a job, and people are not working that hard, and they're not picking up new skills, and they're not. You know, they're just sitting back and and playing landlord or whatever to on Airbnb, and so they the government is one hundred, in my opinion, totally aware of this, completely aware of the problem, and they are trying to reinstill um, a, a sense of I can't just rely on real estate anymore. Mm-hmm. I have to go out and develop skills and work a job and create a. Get back in the workforce. You mean like, uh, and, and not just as a mortgage. It's it gonna broker. be a lot of people. They're like, gonna face a life changing event. Yes, that they need to be like go back to the workforce. Yeah, and you know, or severely downsize their their uh, lifestyle. You know, because like I think of the housing, uh, the 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 housing boom, as sort of like trade like it was just this big win that was pushing everyone forward and now it's not only gone but it's blowing in the other direction mm-hmm. that it's undoubtedly going to massively change people's lives huh i wonder how that would be it's going to be awful for a lot of people huh. and they're going to face these new you know suddenly they're people who felt quite wealthy are going to feel quite poor because the reality was that housing was never just a thing that you owned. It was a complex set of assets and liabilities. The liabilities were the both the li- both the size of the liability and the value of the asset um, were dependent on financing costs, uh, right? The ability to borrow cheaply. Mm-hmm. If people can't borrow cheaply, the value of the asset is going to go down mm-hmm. and the potential liabilities for if you have an arm or if you want to, you know, flip into another house, that's going to be much higher. Right. So like your debt liabilities are going to be what what you owe in terms of uh, debt interest is going to be much higher. You know, like I think if you go from like three point five to eight percent. Wow. Uh, you know, the total interest <laughs> that you pay almost triples. Yeah, I, I calculate it. Yeah. If you use a calculator, you will see. Yeah. So you're, you know, the principal is, uh, you know, the principal value of your house at 8%. I think you're only, assuming like 20%, I think you're only paying less than, well, less than a half. I mean, I would say a little more than a third mm-hmm. of your total outlay is yeah, going to yeah. go to the principal of the house or the the actual value of the house that was that you purchased it for, mm-hmm. and the rest is just interest. So 60, 70%, let's say 65% um, of what you pay in the life of the mortgage is simply interest. Oh, 8%. yeah, that's why it accelerates. The, the vast too. majority of what you're paying is just for interest. Yeah, but you have the way to accelerate to pay for the principal. You can do that, yeah. But I'm saying if you go by the regular 30% amortization schedule uh at eight percent vast majority of the amount of money that you're paying goes to interest whereas at Mm 3.5 i think majority of it actually goes to principal oh okay okay yeah that's how big a swing it is wow 
Right. So it's a big deal. I mean, going from 3.5 to 8 is a very big deal. Oh, you can see that by using the calculator. Just go to the calculator. It'll kind of shock you. Yeah, I, I, I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. I'm like, when I see the 8%, worse than like when my friend get the mortgage, like probably like 3%. Yeah. That's a huge Remember, change. mortgages are, are very tricky because they recapitalize, meaning that the 8%, uh, it, it keeps accumulating on the unpaid principal. It's not a one-time thing. It's it, it it's compound interest. So the swing from three point five to eight is very uh, material because you're talking about a compounding eight percent on an amortization schedule. That's how I see the government can control the market. Yeah, and they are absolutely committed, I think, to crashing the housing market. They they have had enough. They have had enough of people becoming little mini landlords. They've had enough people. They've had enough of this Airbnb, uh, you know, entrepreneur shit. They're okay. done. They're like, dude, no, no, you're not. The future is not in you buying ever more real estate. The future is you getting back to work. Don't you think that even if the government doesn't do anything, the market gonna crash regardless? It might be slower. Uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, at some point you run out of new buyers. It's just that simple. Mm-hmm. At some point you just run out of new buyers. Uh, but, but people are still going to be trying to crowd up into, right? So, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's hard to say, but now when, by, by doing what they've done, I think they've really accelerated the, the reversal in the housing market. You're already seeing it. Because. So what? right now, I would say it's just not a good time to buy a house. I just think it's unless there's like you have a lot of other reasons in your favor to do it. I, I think right now because rents are falling too. I um, don't see my rent go falling. Yeah, but generally speaking, I mean, New York City is always fucking terrible. But um, just rent for a while. Just sit on the sidelines. But some rent are very expensive, like in the Manhattan. Yeah, that's true. But look, like I said, like for, okay, so we have, so we know some friends, let's say they put, let's say a full million dollars in cash mm-hmm. to buy a place all cash. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could have waited and put that million dollars into just short-term bonds and earned, you know, 5500 6000 a month just on interest. What happened if the housing price kept rising? I think that's their fear. Yeah, that's their fear. I just don't think that they needed to worry about that. <laughs> I think that there's but no still, way. But still, you, you don't yeah. know. So they rather to play it safe. You kind of do know. You kind of do know. If interest rates go, you know, go that high, mm-hmm. um, prices are going to come down. It's yeah, that, but it's you don't know how long that will last. It, it, it won't be- last very long. I, I just don't think that – I don't know why. It's just it, This is a very obvious thing. But for some reason, people have been – Beaten, it's been beaten into their head that real estate never goes down. And I don't know where that belief comes from, but they just believe that real estate prices cannot go down. I don't know where that where they get that belief. Maybe based on the historical data. Yeah, the his, because it's been positive for so long, but that doesn't mean it's not going to come down. In fact, that might point to a bigger crash, right? If you haven't let pressure out for a long time and then suddenly you pop the bubble this dramatically to go from you know people were paying like below three percent 
mm-hmm. for their mortgages. Mm-hmm. And now they're paying 8% in, in, just, a sh- in just less than a year. Mm-hmm. This has happened, right? Mm-hmm. That is a massive, massive blow to the amount of money that can come into the market to the point where now the amount of money being coming in through mortgages has dropped 90%. Okay. That's a huge blow to the market. Mm-hmm. I don't know why people think that that's not going to affect the course of pricing. They're insane to think that. The only reason is because they just don't believe it. They won't believe it until it happens. So fundamentally, they're just saying, like, I won't believe it until it actually happens, at which point it's too late. But it might take a while before they can actually see the big change. It could. I don't think it's going to take as long as they think. We'll see. It's not going to be years. (laughs) People can't hold out that long. You know? I mean, you already know people are losing their jobs, like... You know, or they they have to sell because they have to change another job in another city or people. You, most look, people can't just sit in their house indefinitely. There's always there's always uh, um, uh, an ambient pressure to sell. And then if into a recession, there'll be an even heightened pressure to sell. I'm saying, look, when they when everything revert, when you raise when you make. Financing expensive, much more expensive than it has been. All the dynamics of the housing market are going to flip. It's going to be reversed, right? So it's just like bonds. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like bonds right now, like people are lo- like people are losing money hand over fist if they have bought bonds, and that's a reversal. For the longest time, you bought bonds, you made money. Why? Because the yields kept dropping, right? So every year, people made less and less money on bonds. Mm-hmm. Which means that your bonds went up in price. Okay. Right? So bonds always made money because yields because of exactly what's going on with how houses go up in price, right? Bonds go up in price. They all it's it, every everything and stocks were going up in price. Everything moves up together. Right? Bonds, stocks, real estate, all moving up. And then once it reverses. They all move down at the same time. Oh, do you think that we're going to be like Japan? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. That's a long term. They, 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 their real estate has been basically declining for like decades. Oh, yeah. That's what they It do. never goes up. And so their view on housing is very different from us. They're, they just think of housing as a way to throw your money away. Right? They, they, they don't think because, of it as a long-term investment. They're like, yeah, because they, they, think they need of it as a, to live in one. They think of it as a depreciating asset, like a, like a car. car. That's why there's all these houses that they can't get rid of. Because they're like, why would you buy this house? It's just going to depreciate to zero. They actually have to get Westerners to come and buy it. Because only Westerners have the mindset that houses are these appreciating assets. Whereas Japanese think of them as just these decaying, depreciating assets. So they're like, I don't know. These Westerners want to come in and buy it. Okay. Yeah. Is the rent pretty low? Yeah, rents are low. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the rent. If the rent is low, there's no point in buying. That's what I'm saying. So Japanese are not particularly. Tokyo is actually a pretty inexpensive place. Oh, I saw that. I yeah. saw the video. You know, on YouTube. Yeah. So, uh, you know. It's this still a lot and that's, of money. And it's Tokyo. It's a very desirable city. It's not that expensive. Yeah, but... That's the, what this idea that real estate has to be super expensive is not the case. There's no, It's not built into the system that real estate's got to be super fucking expensive like it is now. But we have been taught to think of real estate as, like, basically a form of gold. It's like gold. Well, it's, you, you, if you see the increase, it's almost, like, unreachable. 
Yeah, but it's all, it was all artificial. But you don't know how long you have to wait until it becomes... The conditions are over. It's already changed. Well, I mean, I, we, we can see that now. Yeah, it's already changed. And people are not accepting that this is a real change. They, they keep thinking that uh, the government's going to... This is a temporary trend. My point is, I don't think it's temporary. I think this is a permanent or fairly permanent state of affairs where we are going to see housing underperforming as an asset for like a while. So do you think that like after people realize it and see the reality, they would change their spending behavior? Maybe. Yeah. I think we're going to become a higher saving uh, economy. I think people are, once they see that the future is not guaranteed through uh, housing uh, being like this engine of wealth creation, for you where it's just passive wealth creation mm -hmm. buy yourself a house it will get make you rich it just it just will grow like a fucking magic egg mm -hmm. and or, or like a golden it's, it's but that those days are over and so what we're going to realize just how much of our thinking was affected by real estate frenzy and i think you know we're gonna have to go back down to like more uh realistic kinds of budgeting and stuff like you can't just rely you can't just keep projecting that your house is going to go up and up and up and up it's not well, going to happen that, so don't you think that it's actually pretty good for the mindset to yeah. go back to more like practical yeah but rather than like leveraging everything i i think so i i thought the whole housing thing was just super stressful well, but I see a lot of people jump right into it. A lot of my friends during, you know, the bubble time. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of them are going to get crushed, personally. Well, not the one we all cash. That's no guarantee either, because... Well, they can shrink in value, but it's not like they're going to be crushed. Not as much as the one who's holding my mortgage. Mm, but here's the thing, is when your house doesn't go up in value... Mm-hmm. It's it's not just the mortgage that's one of the expenses. You have all sorts of, especially in like New York City. Mm -hmm. God, I mean, this, the maintenance is sky high. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's well beyond the listed bill. You know that. You get special assessed all the time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Your property taxes, always going up. Okay. The city is going to tax the shit out of property going forward because they have huge holes in their budget. So, yeah, you don't have mortgage expense, but you have all these other expenses. But if you have and at the same time, it's very possible that the value of your home is going to go down. So you overpaid for it anyway. So the million bucks that you put into it is now worth $940, $930, $920, dollars does not feel good. Well, That's a you, direct loss of equity. I put a million bucks in, and now the thing's worth eight ninety. But if you only live in there, yeah, but it doesn't feel good. It just doesn't feel good, you know. You could be—they could be losing equity faster than paying rent. You know, if it's a particularly bad year, mm -hmm. they could be losing equity at a faster rate than what they could be earning by renting the place out. Mm -hmm. I'm meaning. Meaning the well, money that they would lose renting an equivalent would be less than the amount of equity that they're losing in terms of market so I better value disappearing. Just rent. Yeah, I would not on. stake a million bucks in a piece of real estate right now, even without a mortgage. No, I mean, look, I mean, some people need a place. They needed a place. I get it. But 
Uh, it's no, just because you don't have a mortgage does not save you from the problems. You know, loss of equity is loss of equity, period. But that's the time when people wake up. Yeah. And change that behavior in spending. Yeah. And, you know, it's going to be tricky on the way down because it's like, at what point do people who need a house jump in? I have no idea. Like, do you wait a year, two years? You know, because like, it's like catching a falling knife. Okay, maybe housing price drop, but it might keep dropping. So if I buy, then I have no, you know, it could immediately drop after I buy it. Well, it depends on how the government want to manipulate it, right? Yeah. I suspect the government is is in full panic mode in terms of the employment problems going on. I think they think that workers are just becoming super lazy. People don't want to work. There's a general loss of energy, discipline, um, et cetera. And they're going to manufacture a crisis to, uh, to get people to come back to their senses. And uh, frankly, I don't think it's really going to work, but I think they're going to break a lot of people. I think they're going to break people's spirits. If on top of all the things that are going on now with the wars, with the violence, the crime and all this shit with barely being able to afford their expenses and whatever. And then you add on top of that a recession, Look, people are just going to lose hope. I don't think that people are going to be like, Oh yeah, you know, I, everything's shit. I feel reinvigorated. Now I'm ready. I'm motivated to go. No, people are going to, their spirits are going to be broken and you're going to have, um, chaos. So that's another reason why I am, very non-committal with money mm-hmm. is because I look in the future and I don't know why everyone's so goddamn positive about it. I'm like, guys, there's so many problems that uh, if you're realistic about it, you might be a little bit more cautious about investing in, in, in a permanent way. I, I would say light touch on the investment, very liquid, low risk assets, it's very easy to find good returns because the interest rates are high. Take advantage of that. That's a government subsidy. Their ba- government is basically paying you. Um, f- they're just giving free money to you mm-hmm. in exchange for your cash, even mm-hmm. your short-term cash. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the government is trying to mop up liquidity. They, there's too much money floating out there. That's inflation. Mm-hmm. That's why they're paying you for you to park your money away for a year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you put your I'm taking the cash off the table. I'm not going to spend it for the next year. And they're like, "Okay, great. I'm going to give you five and a half percent return Mm -hmm. on that. That's how badly I want you to not spend. Mm. Um, Take it. That's that's government subsidy. There's the government is literally spending like trillions of dollars to pay you for your cash. That you know, so I would just take advantage of that, uh, and not and just you know just low risk, highly liquid. I mean, you can all, of course you can always sell your treasuries at a moment's notice, uh, so there's no liquidity risk. There's no risk. So I would say just buy short term treasuries, and just wait. Don't spend too much. Don't and save. Yeah, save. Start saving. Save. Stay on the sidelines and just let this shit play out because it's a mess. I'm telling you, people who own a lot of assets right now are nervous because 
the market, the liquidity's dried up. They can't get out. If they had to get out, they would take a loss anyway. They're just hoping at this point. They're just hoping for everything to work out. And maybe it will, but I personally wouldn't bet on it. And so I would not join them right now. Meaning if you have a lot of assets, maybe you're stuck. I don't know. Hold on. Cross your fingers. If you can unload some of those assets right now at a good price, I would do it. If you have real, if you have extra real estate and you need cash, right now there's like not many listings. The, actually, the housing prices are still pretty steady because nobody's selling. Well, get ahead of the sellers that are going to come online next year. So sell it now. I think if you're thinking about selling real estate that you have, I would sell it now rather than later if you need the money. Otherwise, if you think you can hold on to it forever, who cares? But if you think you're going to need to sell it in a few years or whatever, I would sell it now. Um, because once you don't, you know, you want to get ahead of all the other sellers. Right. But otherwise, I would stay low asset, light asset light. Because I don't trust where prices are going. I have no idea where they're going. So I'd you rather think just it's be, a hold on to cash. Hold on to cash. Yeah, the cash is king. Cash is king. Whenever there's uh, falling asset values, cash is king. Whenever you're not sure what's like gonna happen, cash is king. Espe- yeah, especially when you know that all the all the momentum is against prices. Um, you know, everyone's looking for cash. Everyone's looking for ca- your cash to get out. They need your cash to get out, meaning they need you to buy. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when I think you can be maybe a little bit more – you could be choosy, right? You could be like, okay, well, if there, everything's on sale, then I can start looking for things to buy. But I think it's too early. Oh, you mean like it's too early for a buyer? Yeah, I want to see panic selling before I buy. What? I want to see was, desperate sellers. That was like panic buying for yeah, the past fuck, three years. Yeah, exactly. I am, yeah, exactly. Panic buyers are – panic anything is bad. Panic buying is bad. Panic selling is bad. You want to be opportunistically buying and opportunistically selling. Mm -hmm. So you opportunistically sell when everything's really hot. You want to get out. And you opportunistically buy when everyone's panic selling. And you're like, okay, well, everything's on fucking sale. Let's see what I can do. Let's see what I can buy. Right now, I think it's a kind of transition period where I don't think things have fallen enough in price to be as an opportunistic buyer to be like, oh yeah, there's some really great deals. It's good. I know. I, I'd still give it time. Mm-hmm. That's my bet. I mean, there's no guarantee, but I would bet that that's what's going to happen. Well, if you think, you know, whatever team set is logical. Then what do you think? I think it makes sense. Well, I, 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 I haven't bought a new place yet, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel, I don't feel any sense of urgency. Well, I have been waiting for so long. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I, I feel like when I was in school, they taught us like in finance that like it's, it's always opportunity when you hold on to cash. Maybe not as much as like, you know, people who leveraging, yeah. but there's a cycle that you, whoever hold on to cash, they always an opportunity to squeeze in Yeah. when everything should go down. Well, that's how you got your house. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I got. You were an opportunistic buyer. My mom. Not yeah. Me. <laughs> so, I mean, it's very like. You you buy when everyone's selling, <laughs> you know. You can get amazing. Yeah, that's deals. a lot easier. Yeah. Because like after a couple of years after me, my coworker want to buy a place. Yeah. They she can barely get it. Yeah. 
But see, when asset, that's the thing. When asset prices are going up, the person with the most assets and the highest leverage wins. The person who's most reckless with debt, with the biggest balance sheet that, that you know, their, their income can barely cover, but, you know, they've maxed out. Mm-hmm. That person wins because they have maximum amount of leverage and all the returns that are, they're getting on asset appreciation are going to be multiplied by their leverage. So they're going to win. And so a lot of reckless behavior was rewarded for years, decades even, right? The so- more reckless you were with the spending – the more you were rewarded and that mentality has taken hold as a for, as a kind of culture and that culture is now going to get destroyed destroyed and it's going to be a different culture that takes its place and that cultural shift is what their the government is trying to create they they think it's not the price of groceries that they're worried about mm-hmm. they don't care about the price of eggs that's a cover story for what they're really doing. Mm-hmm. They really don't give a shit about the price of, of of groceries. They don't. I'm sorry. It's a cover story. What they care about is shifting the culture away from this endless, crazy asset speculation because they need people to go back to work. They need people to become savers again, and they need people to want to work. They can't – you know, the opposite is – when there's cheap credit, it means that I can do all my consumption now mm-hmm. and then pay it off later. But people didn't pay it off later. What they waited for was more people to pile in. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even have to work. Either I work, save, and then spend, or I borrow, spend, and then work to pay it off. But either way, I'm going to work. Right? That's why the... Government more or less is agnostic about whether rates are high or low because you if the rates are high, then more people are just going to save, work, save, and then spend. Mm-hmm. If the rates are low, they're going to borrow, spend, and then work, right, to pay it off. But if you create the conditions where there's loads of new people coming into the real estate market mm-hmm. – what people are going to do is they're going to borrow, spend, and then not work because they're just going to use the appreciation of the asset caused by all the new money coming into the market instead of working. Mm-hmm. That's speculation. Mm-hmm. And the lack of working in that cycle is what is causing the government to say, wait, hold on, we got to put an end to this. Mm-hmm. Because productivity is falling. Mm-hmm. Inflation is just a fancy way of saying productivity is falling. Mm-hmm. And... In the cycle of either work, save, spend, or borrow, spend, work, uh, they need the work part to come back one way or another. Or they're already pushing people back to work. Yeah, they want people back in the office. Uh, They don't want, you know, they want, yeah, they want you back in the office. uh, And they want you, they want you nervous. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they don't want you sitting there sitting pretty going, oh, yeah, I got like a million and a half equity in my house, man. I'm fine. Worst comes to worst. Look, worst comes to worst. I sell the house. You know, I'm good. I'm good. We just go travel around for a while, you know, or uh, it's good. You know, I'm going to quit my job a little bit, maybe uh, cash in on the equity a little bit, take out a HELOC or downgrade the place or whatever. But when people have 
all this extra value on their balance sheet, okay, they become a lot more, quote, secure. They become a lot more, uh, they become a lot less worried about having to work and save, right? Okay, so the government's basically like, uh, yeah, we saw the numbers this year and it's not good. You motherfuckers need to get back to work. <laughs> That's what it's about. So if, 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 and in that situation, the only thing that will save you is cash because they will pay you for your cash, right? Because they're trying to take cash off the table. They'll pay you for your cash, right? And because cash is the ultimate source of value on, you know, book of book value, right? Uh, you know, well, it, they can't they can't deflate that asset. Isn't that like it's an indicator that the government doesn't want you to buy real estate because they want to want your cash to be, you know? Yeah, they're trying to take money out of the real estate game. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Okay, so because they're, they're they're just they don't see that real estate is actually like a strategic pursuit in terms of economic planning anymore. It's becoming a problem, right? People are way too focused on real estate. Yeah, because it keep going up. That's why people crazy. Yeah, people just become real estate crazy, and and they're not doing other forms of work. And then now they're like, oh shit, we don't have a real economy anymore. We can't we can't find workers to make microchips. We can't fi- find workers to make electric cars. We can't find workers to make uh, solar panels. We can't find workers to uh, work the farms and do you know like be cops or do whatever the fuck. There's nobody around to do anything. Everyone's just busy. Fucking fucking around in the real estate game, mm. you know, and and it's not just people buying and flipping houses, but all of the jobs are pertinent to that. How many people became contractors? How many people became real estate agents, mortgage brokers? You know all this stuff. So many. And in the oh, finance man. sector, how many people are working on real estate, mortgage underwriting, all this stuff? Huge amounts. There's a huge fucking giant economy built around real estate speculation. You can't have everyone selling fucking real estate for a living. Because they're not generating. You're not real, generating any fucking value. It's simply bubble. Yeah, it's you're just you're you're just bleeding money that was created in the banking system because the rates were artificially depressed. There's a huge amount of credit creation and people are just they're, they're you know, their job is to become parasitic leechers off of the the money that comes out of that system in the form of fees. Mortgage fees, brokers' fees, all that shit. Lawyers' fees, all that shit. You know, and you add it up, and it's like, at the economic planning level, they're like, "What the fuck is this? What are we gonna do with a nation full of real estate speculators and realtors and mortgage brokers? They're useless. I can't make enough weapons to send to Ukraine. <laughs> what, you guys gonna? Who's gonna build the fucking?" Artillery. You guys are all busy with your real estate broker licenses (laughs) and shit. You know, you're useless. So, you know, I think that time is up for that. I really think at a high level, people in America, at the highest level planners are panicked and they're like, we got to turn this around. We got to stop this. Mm -hmm. Whether it's going to work, I don't know, but they're hitting the brakes. So, and I, 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 that's the, that's my belief as mm-hmm. to what's going on. And that's how I'm going to plan it. Mm-hmm. And I think the sooner people get out of this real estate 
obsessed mindset, the better, because I don't think it's coming back. I could be wrong. It could be so ingrained that, you know, they're, they, they, in fact, even at the very top, they want to get back to the real estate conveyor belt economy as quickly as possible. But I, 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 I would not bet on it. So anyway, that's my spiel, baby. Mm. New world. It's a, I think it's a new sort of age. You always said, like, after COVID, the world will no longer be the same. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think that really powerful people are not as stupid as we think they are. They're quite smart. They see what's going on, and they know that we need to change. And it's going to be painful. They're going and, – and, and Well, it's not going to be painful for them. No, it's, it's not going to be painful, painful for them. Us. Yeah. It's going to be painful for people who don't realize what the changes are going to be. And a lot of people are – just so stubborn and close-minded about this and they're going to get crushed and the planners don't care they're they, they they will happily crush people they don't care they're very cruel people well i mean so yeah. so there'll be loads of innocent people who got caught up in this game mm-hmm. through no fault of their own they mm-hmm. were being every single uh indicator was encouraging them to play this game Mm -hmm. to load up on debt to Mm -hmm. overpay for housing Mm -hmm. and no one told them no from the real estate agent to their friends to the mortgage broker to the seller's agent nobody in the process said no to them and so they did it everyone encouraged them to do it it's not their fault but they just didn't think it through and then they're going to get crushed and they're going to be surprised that their own government is not there is not going to be there to save them. But look at 2008. They didn't give a shit. People when got did, thrown out on the streets. Did the government care? What, no. When did the government ever care? They don't care. No one's there to save you. This, this is a free market economy. If you made the quote wrong decision, despite the fact that the government encouraged you to make it, but if you went for it anyway, and you didn't think for yourself what was going to happen. You can't later say, oh, the government fucked me, and then expect that they're going to make you whole. They don't care. They don't care about you. So if you – the government will encourage you up until the very last day it makes sense. They will keep encouraging you to buy a house, buy a a house, and then they're going to change policies, and then they're going to go, oh, yeah, everyone who bought a house over the last five years is going to be underwater, Mm. right? And and we're going to be like – how can you do this? And they're going to be like, I don't know. You, you you made the choice. I mean, did they make the choice? No, they were heavily encouraged by the government to do it. So I feel bad for them. Mm-hmm. But that's what I'm saying. In this world, you have to be very cautious with your decision making. And you can't just be like, mm, it seems like the right choice. I, I, I don't trust. I've never, I've always felt. And I used to work in the, uh, in the mortgage industry. Um. You know, at the at the uh, at the securities level, at the at the sort of bond market level here in like the Wall Street level, and I I saw the kinds of people who are in that game. Mm-hmm. Trust me, they don't give a shit about you. I <laughs> why would they give a shit that, about look, you? That's capitalism. You, yeah, people are literally just entries in a in in a in an Excel table. That's about as human as you get in the real estate process. You're just literally just entries in an Excel yeah, spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah, just numbers. Just numbers that are being pumped through an Excel model, okay? Nobody cares about you. And 
the assumption the, under our ideology is it's a free market. You are free market participants making free market choices. All consequences of your choices are borne by you and you alone. Mm-hmm. Now, the government may come up with some sort of, you know, these government programs to help people. Uh-huh, but, uh-huh. you know, they're never enough. And they're never going to really solve the loss. You got fucked. You know, so uh, uh, just just know that in America, you should never feel like there's a safety net. You have to be very fucking careful. And the more euphoric and risk-free they try to make risky behavior seem, the more your alerts should go up to be like, wait, something's wrong here. You know, okay. like it shouldn't be that easy to just be like. Meaning the government would not give you an easy pass. No, I don't I really don't think they will. I mean, on the, in fact, all the passes that they give you ultimately when you look at it shows you that it's actually was it like, for example, those first time home buyer credits. Mm-hmm. Those are to encourage people to ent- bring new money into the market. They need, quote, new suckers to come into the market to push everyone up. That's why they have those kind of things. It's not to help you, right? It's it's to keep the gravy train rolling. Uh, and it's helping the people at the top. And um, those are why those subsidies are around. It's not, it's never, nothing is ever altruistic. Nothing is ever there to just help you. Um, maybe that's not totally true, but well, for the most on, part. Depend on the total housing price. Yeah. I know, like, that the subsidy program in here right now in New York City is like a hundred thousand for new for new buyers. Oh uh, yeah, but yeah. so. If but you, again, it's that's to encourage new buyers. Yeah, but if you bought a really cheap play, that mm-hmm. actually can pay half of it. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it really depends. Yeah. Look, I mean, there's always going to be good opportunities if you're smart and savvy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying that you can't do anything because, but you just have to be smart. You have to make the the calculations of risk and. You have to look through it and think through it, mm-hmm. you know, and I think I think a lot of people don't are not thinking through because they think that the the obvious choice is going to be the right one, which is buy as much house as you could possibly afford. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and we're we're seeing that. Uh, at least the latest, the most recent round of buyers are all fucked. The ones who bought into this latest COVID bubble, mm-hmm. they're all fucking toast. I I feel like even the for the past three years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're going they're they're gonna be underwater. Simple mm-hmm. as that. You mean like whoever got the mortgage? Yeah, they're gonna have they're gonna have a bigger mortgage than the house is worth. Mm. So mm. anyway. Okay. All right. We'll call it for an episode? Yeah. All right. That was our <laughs> another depressing dark episode. <laughs> well, not so depressing. It's just like suggestion. Yeah. You don't have to, you know, maybe we're wrong. <laughs> I don't think we're wrong, but I think I think Amart's just describing what's already happening. Okay. But look, I mean not everyone is how do I put this? Some people have owned their houses for a long time, they're fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people have don't own a house and I think they're going to be fine. Okay. 
I think the people who, I think there's people who bought houses fairly recently, but they're affordable. Mm-hmm. They could easily afford it. Mm-hmm. They're fine. Mm-hmm. I think it's really the people who really stretched to buy a house uh, in the last couple years mm-hmm. that might have problems. Yeah, you're like, I don't recommend it. Yeah, that 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 I think it's it's the ones who bought at the last push, the last frenzied push uh-huh. that are going to get really hurt. You know. So basically, you just encourage it. But 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 on top of the fact that their house is going to be underwater, mm-hmm. it there has to be another incident. Like they have to lose their job or something. You know, because otherwise they could. You know, you just keep paying the mortgage. It's fine. It won't feel good. That you're paying a mortgage that's worth more than your house, right? But maybe well, and and actually, they may be able to get bank workouts at some point. Oh, okay. Right. So down the road, they may be able to renegotiate that mortgage. Okay. Meaning yeah. the bank still wants some money from you. They don't want you to completely. Yeah, because a lot of people might just walk away. Just be like, why would I pay for you know pay off a mortgage that's worth? Well, it more depends than the house. on how much you pay for your down payment, then. That's true. I mean, it, it all comes, but I think there there may be there may be situations where like banks down the road may help you. That's what happened in 08. You know, banks were helping people um, renegotiate their mortgages. Okay. To prevent an all out loss. Okay. Well, we'll so, see what's going to happen. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our episode for this week. Bye. Bye. Bye.